Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, it is so, so good to be here. And yes, as Pastor Phil has said, it's just a joy to have people in, in the room. I've said this on countless occasions when I get the opportunity to go and speak at places since we've come out of lockdown. It's so beautiful to be able to smell people. Now, I know, right? I know that that sounds a little bit weird, but if you think about it, I'm right. Because it's the thing that we miss the most. It was great to be able to be online, but I mean, if you, well, you don't need to get too close to fill the smell as aftershave, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just nice to be able to like smell um, different fragrances, I'll say, some nicer than others, and a joy to, to have you in the room. Hey, look, um, thank you so much for having me, uh, Pastor Phil and Pastor Anna. It is just a, a joy uh, to come. I always feel like this is home, an extended part of family, an extended part of CCI, and you guys are in safe hands and great hands. Hey, look, I have got um, about 30 minutes to hopefully encourage you in your faith this morning. If you are on a journey towards God, I hope tonight, what did I say? This morning, tonight. Thanks. Hopefully this evening, ladies and gentlemen, you will be encouraged in your, in your faith, in your walk towards God, if you're walking towards Him, or in your walk with God, or if you have already entered into a relationship where you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your hearts that God raised him from the dead. And whether you're on the journey to God or in the journey with God, at the end of this message tonight, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to what you've heard. And so if you have yet to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, hopefully with my story, you'll be encouraged and inspired that Jesus is the real deal and that he is the son of God who came from heaven to earth to die on the cross that we deserved so that we could literally be made perfect and holy. Like imagine that this evening. If you remember nothing else from what I say this evening, because of Jesus Christ, because of his obedience, because he left his throne of grace to go to the cross that we deserved, that we are literally made perfect and holy in the eyes of God. We become the righteousness of God. So I want to encourage you with that, and hopefully as we get through this evening's message, you will also be encouraged as well. I'm going to apologize in advance. I'm useless with a microphone, okay? I am loud to a fault, and um, guys at the back in the, in the booth, you're, you've got your work cut out for you tonight, as you know already. But hey, look, uh, my message tonight, the title of this evening's message is called I Am Chosen. I Am Chosen. And the heart of this message, the desire in this message is to help you to realize that before the world began, before God spoke the world into existence, He already chose you to be His child. He chose to make you. He chose to save you. He chooses to partner with you. And guess what? He also made the decision before you were born to spend eternity with you. 
That, for me, blows my mind. And before we get into the, the gospel and before we get into the Bible tonight, I just want you to think about this for a minute, right? My wife loves me, right? I think. <laughs> she tells me. But she normally can only kind of handle me for about, I would say, on maximum in any given day, if I get an hour with Jenny without upsetting her or rubbing her up the wrong way or her wanting to leave the room to gather herself before she throttles me, that's a good day, okay? And she's made a lifetime commitment with me, but she can only manage an hour, okay? Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was and is and is to come, in spite of all of your shortcomings, has made a decision that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you get to spend eternity with him. Eternity. Not an hour. Not five minutes. Eternity. Forever. Are you encouraged already? Yes, good stuff. Okay, let's get into the Word of God tonight. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through to 14, and then we're just going to dance around one particular verse for the rest of this message. So this is one of the New Testament letters that Paul has written. It's one of his epistles, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And my iPad has gone to sleep. So he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and really this letter that he's writing is a letter of encouragement to the church. It's a letter to um, the, the, the church in Ephesus, which is uh, in the, today's terms in Turkey, just north of a, a town called uh, Izmir, and um, he is, um, he's writing to them to encourage them. And he says this, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every, everybody say every, every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you, and you, and, and you, and you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This might come as a shock to you, 
But when Pastor Phil and Pastor Anna wake up in the morning, the angels don't come and remove the blankets uh, from the bed for them. They don't kind of hover down the stairs. You do live in a... a to, yeah, yeah, not a bungalow. Okay. They don't hover down the stairs, okay? And um, whenever they um, walk into their kitchen, they're not met with angelic hosts, and their coffee is not divinely poured towards them. As church leaders, as pastors, myself included, we struggle in the same way that you struggle. We have got life issues. We have got life circumstances that come at us in the same way that you do as well. And sometimes, even more so than others, because we are in church leadership, not just is it a physical challenge, but there's also a spiritual challenge that comes with it as well. And so the reason that we are in this portion of this particular passage of Scripture is because a couple of years ago, I found myself in an emotional, spiritual, and physical burnout. I was massively suicidal. I thought my church would be better off without me. I thought my wife would be better off without me. I thought my children would be better off without me. And I thought the world would be better off without me. I found myself, as a church leader, standing on the edge of a bridge thinking, I can't do this anymore. And I was blessed by a beautiful man who came along, saw me in my despair, talked to me and encouraged me to come off the bridge, encouraged me to find the vulnerability and the transparency and the courage to talk to somebody. And when I found the courage and when I got humble enough to have a conversation with somebody that I trusted, this particular individual brought me to this particular passage. And he said, Tim, you might feel broken, you might feel unworthy, you might feel unqualified, you might feel trapped, you might feel lost, you might feel like you're not good enough, and you might feel like your wife would be better off without you, and that your church, maybe they would be, I don't know, and that your church might be better off without you. But I need you to know what God thinks about you. And I need you to know what God says about you. And I, and I, and I have coined this phrase for myself, and I, I encourage you to take it on as well. Imagine for a minute what your life would look like if you were to choose to believe everything that God has said about you and everything that God has written for you. Let me say that again. Imagine for a minute what your life would look like if you chose to believe everything that God has said about you, and everything that God has written for you. The Bible is packed full of meat. The Bible is packed full of, you thought you were coming for pizza. The Bible is packed full of nourishment to our souls. And what I found in this particular passage of Scripture was that there were a, a number of statements that I could make that were affirming to me that I could make my mantras, that I could stand in front of the mirror literally every day and say to myself until I believed them and I began to live out of the overflow of the truths of God's grace. I am chosen. There's a number of others, and over the course of time, maybe you'll have an opportunity to to find them for yourselves, but I am chosen, I am saved, I am forgiven, I am redeemed. And these began to be the mantras by which I began to live my life. But let's get into this whole idea, this concept. We've got 19 minutes left to understand and unpack this 
concept of I am chosen. So I'm a huge sports fan. For as long as I can remember, I wanted to go to the Olympics. When I was a kid, I had the potential to be the next Steve Cram. For those of you who are old enough, you'll know exactly what I mean by that. But he was a, the 800-meter runner, the best in the world, world record holder over a couple of distances, and I was being tipped to be the next Steve Cram. I was destined for the Olympics. I was destined for stardom. I was destined for greatness. But through a series of poor lifestyle choices, I became a homeless drug addict, prostituted myself in, in Dublin, lived a very broken, dysfunctional life. I've broken into homes, mugged people on the streets, and I never really felt like I would qualify for anything. I never really felt that I would be good enough to ever be chosen for anything. But in 2012, the Olympics came to the UK. Yes, and when the Olympics came to the UK, I was working with a couple of American missionaries in our church in Derry, called Cornerstone City Church, and they fill in an application form for me to become a torchbearer, and I got to carry the Olympic torch. Now, here's the thing, right? The day that the email came into the office to say that I had been selected, that I had been chosen, the day that this letter came in, I was in the office on my own. We shared a building with a couple of other businesses in a a kind of a business complex, a business park. And I was in the office on my own, but there were lots of other people who were in their offices as well. When the letter came in, dear, this is my paraphrase, dear Tim Shields, you have been selected um, to be a torchbearer as part of the London 2012 Olympics. In recognition of the work that you have done in your community, we would like to honor you in such a way that you could honor your community and carry the torch. Well, I'm kidding you not. I'm surprised that you didn't hear me all the way from Londonderry to Portadown. Because I was so thrilled that I had been chosen. I'm confident for everybody in the room right now, there have been moments in your life, there have been times, places, spaces, and opportunities where somebody has recognized you for doing something and it made you feel really good. Yes? I'm also equally confident of this, that there have been times in your life, there have been places and spaces, there have been opportunities where you have not been selected, where you have been overlooked, and maybe it was because you had the wrong postcode, maybe it was your hair was the wrong color, maybe it was because you had the wrong social status, maybe it was because of your parents' situation, maybe it was because of something that you had done or hadn't done in your past that disqualified you from being chosen. And so I think for a lot of us, understanding or getting into the mindset or getting into the concept of thinking to ourselves that we have been chosen can actually be quite difficult because we've been disqualified in the past or we've been left out in the past and we think, well, that's always the way it has been, so why would that change now? But I want to encourage you this evening and I want to tell you this evening that the Word of God that is living and breathing and active actually tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 that Paul tells us that he, God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. i got to be honest with you, I am reminded, comforted, and encouraged by the words knowing that I, that I 
that I am chosen. I've got to be honest with you, I am humbled by the realization that my selection, our selection, your selection, has nothing to do with us. What we have done, what we haven't done, what we've said or didn't say, who we may or may not be, who we may or not, not think we are, our postcode, our cultural background, our, our in, or our heritage. In fact, here's the thing. God's decision to choose me, God's de decision to choose us had nothing to do with our conduct and everything to do with his character. It's not our emotions. It's not our appearance. It's not our aptitude. It's not our financial status. It's not our dress code, although to be fair, I think Pastor Phil and I look pretty sharp tonight. We got the uniform right. It's not our dress code. It's not our successes. It's not our failures. It's not our age. It's not our fitness levels. It's not our knowledge. It's not our gender. It's not our social status. It's not through physical birth. Before he spoke the world into existence, God already made the decision to make you, to save you, to partner with you, to empower you, and spend eternity with you. Can I get an amen to that? So I'm in the middle of writing a book. The book is called I Am. And it's really an unpacking of the verses in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. And the courage for the book came from a place that I call the shack. Anybody that um, follows me on Instagram will be familiar with the shack. It's where my treadmill is. Some people like to call it the pain cave, but will not go there. It's just this beautiful place. I built it during lockdown, and it allows me to get out of the house, go and train. I have an office in it as well, and it's just this place where I go and I read and I write and I train and I, and I, and I spend time with God. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a handy bone in my body. <laughs> I don't. And when I was building the shack, I winged it. You know what I mean by winging it? Yeah? I was like, okay, it needs a frame. Okay, let's, let's work this out. Okay, it needs a roof. Okay, let's work this out. And then it was like, okay, it needs uh, walls. Okay, let's work this out. And then somebody suggested insulation. I was like, what? Is that like a tape or something? And, um, and then so it was like we insulated it. And then it was like, okay, there's insulation, but that's ugly. We need to, we need to do something else. So then we put internal walls in it. My goodness. And then somebody was like, it needs electric. And I was like, what? I totally winged it. But here's the thing, right? See, when I stand in the shack and I look around, I'm like, whoo, this is so good. I am so pleased with it. So pleased. And yet when I look at the biblical narrative of the creation story and when I'm understanding that God chose to make us before the beginning of time when he was planning the outworkings of humanity and creation and divinity, he actually made it to a plan. And when God made you, he didn't make you by accident. He didn't wing it. He made it to a plan. Paul writes to the Galatian church and he says, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace and then it pleased him. You see, when God made the world, when God made you, when God made that decision not just to make you and save you and spend eternity with you, when he did it to a planet, pleased him. 
And I wonder for a minute, when was the last time you stopped to think about the fact that God is pleased with you? When was the last time that you stopped to think about the fact that when God made you, he stepped back and he said, it is good. When was the last time you stopped to think for a minute that I'm not an accident, I am made with purpose, for a purpose, on purpose, by the one true living God. Here's the thing. In spite of everything God knew about you, in spite of everything God knew that you would do, wouldn't do, would go, wouldn't go, he still made the decision to make you, and he's never regretted it for a moment. He's never regretted making you for one moment. It was his delight. It was his pleasure. But what did he make you for? He made you for intimacy. God chooses to be with his children. He designed us for intimacy. Do you know this? God's deepest desire, God's deepest desire is that you would know him as intimately as he knows you and love him as deeply as he loves you. I got to be honest with you, I'm massively challenged by that thought. I'm a former homeless drug addict. God made me. I have mugged people with a knife. I have scared people in their beds, in their homes at night, breaking into their homes. But yet God chose to make me. Not only did he choose to make me, but he chose to save me because he always had a plan. And the plan was always the outworking of our salvation in such a way that when he made us and we would have intimacy with him, that we would come to a place where he would get to save us. And in the saving, what would he do? He would give us everything that we need for life and godliness so that we could actually be returned to the original design that he gave us when he was making us, when he was knitting us together in our mother's womb so that we could change the world with him. You see, not only did God choose to make us, God chose to save us, but he chooses to partner with us as well. There's this beautiful thing that when we think about God and when we think about our relationship with God, it has nothing to do with our competency it is, and everything to do with his covenant that he made with us. You see, God hasn't got a contract for us to sign. He doesn't say, if you do this, 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 and this, then I'll love you. And if you do this, 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 then I'll save you. And then if you do this, 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 I'll work with you. And then if you do this, 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 and this, you can spend eternity with me. No, before you took a breath, before you took a breath, he said, I'm going to make you. When I save you, I'm going to put myself inside of you. And it's all on me. Not me, by the way, on him, just in case there's any. <laughs> he says, it's all on me. 
while we were still sinners. It's a great word, isn't it? Sinners. Doesn't it just fill you with courage? Sinners. But that's what you are. Sinners. Dirty, rotten sinners, a lot of you. You are. It's not funny. This is life or death stuff here. Seriously. Sinners. Sinners that God chose to make. Sinners that God chose to save. And sinners that God chooses to partner with. I, I am so glad that it's not on me. That ain't pretty. It ain't. It's on him. And he says, it's all on me. Give it to me. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, I'll partner with you. And if you want to find rest, if you want to have rest, just come and walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Intimacy. Intimacy. Intimacy with Father God is the birthright of every child of God. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are a child of God. And so intimacy with the Father is your birthright. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to prove yourself to get it. It is yours. Freely given. Because when he chose to make you, he knew that you were coming into a fallen world. When he chose to make you, he knew that you were going to make mistakes. He knew that you weren't going to be able to make the mark. He knew that you weren't going to be good enough. He knew that you weren't going to be strong enough. He knew that you weren't going to be able to keep the law, to keep the standard. He knew you were going to be a sinner. So he already had a plan in place. I'm going to choose to make them, but I'm also going to choose to save them. And I'm not going to leave it up to them because they'll just mess it up. So I'll do what I can to make sure that they can be saved. And what does he do? He sends his son from heaven to earth. And Jesus walked the earth. And we celebrate the fact that Jesus went to the cross. Do you know what you also need to celebrate the fact for? That he walked the earth sinless. Because he was the perfect sacrifice. And because he was the perfect sacrifice... Those who believe, those who confess, those who have faith can enter into the freedom that he won on the cross for us. And what comes with that freedom is access to the Father. We're literally, and please don't hear any sense of disrespect towards God when I say this, but we can literally sit on God's knee, tickle his chin and say, what's the crack, big man? Abba, Father. He chose to make us. He chose to save us. He chooses to partner with us. And he chooses to spend eternity with us. What a God. What a God. Even as a church leader, massively suicidal, on the end of a bridge, God still chooses to partner with me. 
I think some of us have got a misunderstanding of the, the heart of God. I think some of us have got a misunderstanding of the, the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. And dare I say it, in Northern Ireland culture, the sovereignty of God. There's never been a day in my life, never been a day in my life, that I have not believed in the presence of God, that I have not believed in the reality of God, not believed in God the Father. My issue was always this. If God is so holy, and God is so perfect, and God is so righteous, and God is sovereign, why would he want to have anything to do with someone as broken as me? When I was a child growing up, I was what I would describe as rent-a-friend because I was so massively insecure growing up in a home. My daddy is transgender. Most of my uncles are alcoholics, drug addicts. On my mum's side, there's heavy drinkers, pedophiles, you name it. So I, I grew up a, around dysfunction. And I was always massively insecure because I didn't believe or I didn't have the understanding to believe what God had said about me and written for me. So I used to like go into my mommy's purse and I used to rob her purse and then I'd go out onto the street and I'd buy everybody sweets. Rent a friend. That's right. So I've always carried negative behavior because of negative mindset. I've always sinned because of my inability to see myself as a child of God. And I think for so many of us in Northern Ireland and around the world, we come and we have this idea that God is literally sitting in heaven waiting to nail us to the cross at any moment he can because we are sinners. When the reality of it is, is that because we are sinners, Christ died for us so that we could be the righteousness of God so that when God looks at us, he sees us in the way that he made us with purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. And here's the good news for us this evening. For those of us who are children of God, for those of us who, have, who are chosen, that God predestined in advance to save, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Absolutely nothing. Paul writes this. In Romans it says, And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.